Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. What's going on? Happy Wednesday. What day is it? Hump day. It is a hump day for sure. I am fighting it this morning. Uh, big show we got. NBA. We got LeBron James with another triple-double. What does that mean? The MVP conversation. Curious to get yours. NFL is at the halfway point, so we're going to break down the NFL. But the college football world takes but center first, stage. But, but first. But first. The U is back. Yeah. I have to yeah. say that. Part of our wager that I lost. <laughs> I don't have to qualify it. That, just but, say it. No, I want just to make sure it. anybody that's listening is making Unnecessary. Sure. I don't want to lose all credibility as a college football <laughs> analyst if I'm out here. People are tuning in for the first time to Canel and Bell. Maybe yeah. considering subscribing on Apple uh, iTunes. You make sure you still to go do that and leave us a five-star review. They're probably like, what the heck? This guy's out of his mind. The U is back. The U is back. That is right. After uh, basically firing Willie Taggart in, in, as well, like you got you got the two for one special. Some you of those memes team. are kind of funny. Like I, oh yeah. yeah, some of those are funny. Right? Yeah. Even as a Florida State fan, you have to admit some of those are pretty creative. They're kind of funny. I oh yeah, yeah. they're definitely funny. I felt bad because I had a lot of people saying, you know, I I sent out a tweet when Willie Taggart got fired, and I said, you know, I feel bad for him and his family. I feel bad for the players. And the immediate response that most people said, well, he's got 20 million. And I'm like, and I was trying to defend it for a second. I'm like, you know, he still has a family, like money doesn't matter. But then I was like, he still has 20 million. He still got 20 million. Like, you know, you can yeah. do a lot with that type yeah. of money. Uh, but that's just a side note that, uh, that I kind of noticed from that game. Uh, I am fighting it big time. Two kids now down in the household Ooh. with like this bug. It's not, it's some sort of flu virus. They're not sick thankfully because if i see somebody throwing up i'm done right forget it so they're just sleeping all day with fevers it's it's now kid number two is on it i am fighting it with everything my wife's got me taking all these homeopathic remedies i'm staying away from them so hopefully it doesn't uh affect the show either (laughs) i got one kid down you do and i I, last night my wife and i had the conversation about like is it worth it to let his like the the brother that's closest in age to him just go ahead and get it now right get it now get him get him through it i have a rare weekend off this weekend i like to work i like what i do I don't want to like have to cancel trips and cancel yeah. work. Like I, I had the th- same thought. I don't have anything going on this weekend. Like maybe I should just go in there and start snuggling with them. <laughs> but I ultimately, I hate being sick. Right. So I'm going to start fighting it. I was like, I thought you were going to say, is it worth it to get a hotel room? No. <laughs> like just stay somewhere else for a week, but I travel enough as I do. I can't do that, uh, anytime soon. All right. The college football world, we did have the tip-off for college basketball, but at the halfway point of those two games last night, you did see the college football playoff rankings released by the selection committee. A couple things I just want to warn people, Mm -hmm. because you will see fan bases get all upset. You'll see some fans think you figure out. You will never figure out the committee. You just won't. It's human beings. They can change their mind, as they have done in the past. They have a lot of turnover on the committee. It's 13 people, but they roll off every couple years. So you might think, hey, I know what they're different people. So they're going to have different values, different things they look at and things that matter to them. So let's react to some of their first ones. All that being taken into consideration. I do think there are some things you could look at from this committee and take away from it. Number one, and this is different than the AP poll. They have Ohio State number one. 
LSU number two, that is flip-flopped into AP. They have Alabama three, they have Penn State four, and they have Clemson five. So Clemson is lower than they are in the AP top 25. Penn State was a surprise, Mm -hmm. jumping over them. My two initial responses were LSU should have been one if you went on resume. Yep. They have more impressive wins over Texas, over Florida, over Auburn than anything that Ohio State has done. Correct. Um, So that tells me that the committee, and they reference this, Rob Mullins, who's the chair, and he's the one who does this. He's the spokesperson this year. He said, we have been impressed with how dominant Ohio State has been. If you want to go with that, that's fine. But then you are telling me that you value the eye test, who you think is the better team, more than the actual resume, which bothers me somewhat because we are wrong all the time in who we think are the better teams. Well, you, you, I, you know mean, what I mean, you're talking out of both sides of your neck here if you're the committee, right? Like, right, which they do all the time. Mouth. Like you, you got, you're using different sets of standards and to 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 figure out who's one and two than you are for figuring out who's three and four. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, you've used a different set of standards, and so. um that's what becomes frustrating about the polls for me. Do you know? Like, I ultimately, do I sit here and know the ins and outs of college football or pretend to? No. But that bothers me. All I want is consistency. Like, you know, with rules, with people, just be consistent. And I feel like that committee sets themselves up and they set a standard with, with, with something like this for being able to do whatever they want to do at the end of the day. Exactly. They always do. Yeah. And the way I hate our playoff system, I hate the way college football determines a champion. Because it's inexact, it's subjective, you're getting people in a room who they think is the better team. I don't mind if you reference the eye test, if there is a razor-thin margin or their resumes look really, really similar. Mm -hmm. LSU, hands down, has a more impressive body of work than Ohio State. At this point in the game, I don't think you can say, well, Ohio State just looks better. Right. Because how do we know what Ohio State would have done against LSU's schedule, playing against those tougher opponents? And how do we know LSU what they would do with Ohio State's schedule? Because right. I think I think LSU would be rolling just as much as Ohio State has against their schedule. Like if you flip flop, absolutely. Them. So it's, it's at this point, thing. I don't think you can say, you know what, Ohio State, we just think they're better. I think you have to rely on the resume, right? And you should because again, we can break down teams, we can think they're good, but you have to go with what teams have actually done on the field. It, and then as a last resort, use the eye test. But clearly the committee this year, they're saying, you know what? We we like Ohio State. We've seen what they've done, and we're impressed by it. And I think that's a dangerous, slippery slope that you go yeah, down. I mean, basically they're telling you, listen, deal with it. Like, right. sit back. We're going to do what we do. Just sit back and enjoy the ride. We're right. take you on it. Exactly. But here's what's interesting to me. Um, like, you're going to tell me you think Penn State on the eyeball test is better than Clemson? <laughs> right. I'm not throwing any shade at Penn State. No, they're a but, good team. But they're, they're a good team. You can tell me your eyeball test says that they're better than Clemson right now. I would, I would challenge that. And also, I think it's hilarious that Bama and Clemson, right? Mm-hmm. Um, while strength of like wins, Bama is four, Clemson is eight. So I get right. that. Oh, oh, that's not a huge, it's not a huge deal. Right. Both of their only wins against a team really of any significance is A&M. Right. Right. And it was, the spread was about, the same. Yep. And you use that to like crucify Clemson. Right. And, and you're using it to support an argument for Bama being in the top three. Like, do you know, it's just, yes. uh, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't love that consistency I, again. Again, give me consistency. You won't find it, and that's what I would caution. That and it's supposed to be good for the sport, like controversy, and it creates conversation or creates buzz. It drives me bad yeah. because you look at it and you're like, "What the heck are we doing here?" And it's it's hard to get a beat on it. We're trying to figure out consistency. Even coaches who are surveyed yep. by reporters that cover college football say they don't understand how the team is selected, and that's a problem because you don't. Every year it changes. It is a huge. It's a huge problem. Um, but you know who's not going to be a problem for this year is Clemson. Like if I'm right. Clemson, they're fine. While I'm slightly like a, as a fan base and maybe some players on the team, I feel yep. like yep. But if I'm Dabo and the coaches. This is perfect. Yes. It's perfect, right? Because I still control my own destiny. Yep. Right? I still get yes. in. Yes, if Clemson it, it, runs the table, they're in without right? question. People in front of me are going to knock each other off. I still control my own destiny, and now I get to be an underdog. Right. Now I get to have a a, a, a bulletin board, like, Which you know, Dabo material. Sweeney has always used to his favor. Even last year, when they were ranked number two, going into the championship, he's still like, nobody gives us credit. Nobody, you know, yeah. always plays you that card up. That chip. Yeah. Including this offseason – it was kind of speculated, well, what's he going to use? Everybody was pumping up Trevor Lawrence. They were the de- defending national champ. They were ranked number one in the preseason. Right. Everybody, and their schedule was a cakewalk. So everybody's like, what, what the heck's he going to do this year? Now he's got it. Cause he already fired Perfect. up. He already fired up the rest of y'all bus. Yeah. Which he, really, which he was driving. You know, he, he loves playing up that card yeah. saying, you know what? You know, it's Alabama and it's Ohio State and it's the rest of y'all and we're in the rest of y'all. And he's trying to make that as a point of uh, contention. And now he's got it because he can go into his players and say, you see this? No one respects you. Nobody thinks you're any good. I tried to tell you. You didn't believe me. Exactly. Coach him up hard and do all these things. Um, The other thing that I noted um, was I think the SEC is always kind of perceived. They get the benefit of the doubt because of recent success that they are the strongest uh, conference in college football. I thought last night, and really all season to date, I thought the Big Ten has showcased that they are the stronger conference. They're deeper. I think they both have multiple national title contenders. Uh But I think the depth of the Big Ten and really good, solid teams is what makes them a slightly stronger conference top to bottom than the SEC this year. So you think their 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 bottom teams are better than the SEC I do. bottom teams? Yeah, right? I think so. Like a team like Indiana, who's not ranked, they should be ranked, are better. That's a better team than, you know, Ole Miss or some of the middle-of-the-road teams yeah. that, you know, Fair. have been there. But, you know, I just, I just think they're deeper. Well, and, but, but let's do the top 25, right? Right. Big Ten has six exactly. people on that. To, uh, SEC has five. Exactly. Right? Now, like, the SEC fans say we, we have more higher-ranked teams. Oh. But it's a combination. It's got to be everything. Yeah. It's got to be top to bottom. You right. can't just cherry-pick and say, well, Bam and LSU are better. And now well, the Big Ten has State the number one team. Exactly. Exactly. And the number four team. Exactly. Yes. I think any way you look at it, I think the Big Ten made a really strong showing uh, in the original rankings that came out. Um, since we're around the uh, midway point, you do see uh, Ohio State there as the number one team. Historically, the Heisman Trophy has gone to best player on the best team with impressive stats. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say... It's the best quarterback on the best team. You have seen a couple running backs have won it in the last 15 years. You haven't seen a defensive player has won it since uh, Charles Woodson won it yeah. in Michigan. That was unique, though, because he was returning kicks. He was taking some snaps on offense. He was scoring some touchdowns. Although, I do think there is a sliver of a chance, which I don't. I wouldn't have said that at the beginning of the season. I don't think I would have said it in many other years. For Chase Young, the defensive lineman for Ohio State, who is – 
crushing it, right? right? He is absolutely destroying opposing offense. Leads the country in sacks with 13 and a half. Second in the country in forced fumbles. He has been the best player on the number one team currently in the country. I do, th- and there's a lot of conversation about him, which I do think matters. It is a you, buzz. It is a PR. Buzz is a real thing. Absolutely, it matters. I think if, and the other thing too, Justin Fields came in with some fanfare, but not a ton. And it's him and J.K. Dobbins on the offensive side of the ball are kind of splitting the attention there. Right. Everyone's talking about Chase Young. I think if he has an impressive game against Michigan, and I'm talking sacks, forced fumbles, maybe somehow he gets a fumble recovery in the end zone, I think he could win it. Look, if this was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. <laughs> yes. It's not true. happening. All right, you it's going to chance. a quarterback this year. Yeah. It's going to a quarterback. I think it's a great story. Um, I, in the past, have kind of lobbied for – more attention for defensive players to kind of be on the board. Like, I always have a soft spot for defense, you know what yeah. I mean? But the reality of this award in particular is that it's, it's, it's about numbers, it's about stats, it's about, you know, things that you can throw up there, and that's going to be a quarterback at the end of the day. All right, here's how. The, the, the guys that are ahead of him, according to Vegas, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Tua, are the three quarterbacks that are favored ahead of him, which I would agree with. Mm-hmm. You could see, let's say Burrow gets beat this Justin weekend. Fields is going to jump him. No, he's not. Yes, he is. I don't think he will. All right, keep but going. But let me give you. So Joe Burrow could get beat this weekend. Okay. I think that could potentially do him in. Because if they get beat in, that probably means that Burrow is struggling. Okay. Jalen Hurts, I don't think, has a chance. He already kind of had a loss. I don't think Oklahoma is as good as they were last year. So let's just assume they lose another game. Or they are a two-loss team that wins. Dealing a lot of ifs, dog. We are. Right, we are. We let's say Tua loses to Georgia mm-hmm. in the SEC championship game. Yep. Boom. Out. That's the that's the perfect and storm. And you've assumed now, that Brandon, Ohio State is a lot of assumptions. You've, you've assumed yes. that Ohio State is unscathed in this process, right? They've continued yes. to win, and that he continues to just barn burn in terms of stats. Yeah, and Justin. We're Fields, making a lot of assumptions. And in all in all of these wins, Justin Fields is just barely pedestrian. <laughs> yes, I was trying to give you the hypothetical of how Chase Young could be. I got it. Okay, all right. Value. Play, I think I've wrapped my mind around. I that. might throw a couple bucks on him because of the. Buzz, right? Because the buzz is real. The buzz is going out there. I would put a couple. I think he absolutely goes to New York. Mm -hmm. I don't think he wins it. I mean, if you ask me straight up, I don't think he wins. I'm telling you, Joe Burrow. I think is going to win it. Uh, and I think he does have a strong performance this weekend. Lastly, on college football, last thing I want to wrap wrap up was Florida State. Uh, we've talked a lot about it. The coaching search is one that I've been a little bit nervous about. Yep. I don't like the way Florida State handled Willie Taggart. I don't like the timing of it when it occurred. I thought, they, what's the danger in letting him play it out? But the fan base makes me nervous because you become vulnerable in this spot. And, man, you latch on to rumors, speculation, and it drives me nuts. It happens with every other fan base. Florida State's new to this, right? We haven't had many coaching searches. And it came out the other day, Bob Stoops. And it was a official news organization it was a local tallahassee television station that Mm -hmm. said sources tell us it's close to a done deal even had kendall bryles there and jim levitt they had all these details florida state fans were telling me because i was like don't believe it florida state fans are no no no, i have sources it's done it's done (laughs) i will say this david coburn kudos to him came out within 24 hours and said nope don't buy it you know he, he wasn't in town he did an interview he's on our list yes we're gonna go after him Bob Stoops is not going to be the head coach at Florida State. I'll just, I'll tell you point blank. He is not going to be the next coach at Florida State. So Florida State fans, take a deep breath. Wait for your excitement until you see the coach at the press conference. I'll just say that. Don't believe, don't get in chat rooms. Don't buy into them. Don't say this would be great. Don't do it.
at every single fan base, it ends up disappointed because you have these pipe dreams of guys you think could happen. They usually don't. So wait for the announcement. I'm telling you, man. And I, when there's structurally something wrong, and I do believe that, that, you know, it starts at the top with situations like that when things kind of fall apart and a place has been good for a long time and now it's not what it used to be. Same with Miami. Right. Those jobs aren't nearly as appealing as the fan bases think they are. Right. The big name type right. guys. Urban Meyer. Not come nearly on. as appealing. You know, like, right. So you're going to have to go through a search and you're going to have to find the right guy to come in and wants to get, you know, roll up the sleeve, get his hands dirty and build it back up. Right. Now, yeah. Mark Stoops, I think there's a chance, a right. realistic chance that he could be the next. He was a defense coordinator at Florida State, had success Ties, in Kentucky. Right. Yep. I think that is a one that makes sense. If you want to speculate about that, I believe that one. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. There was news out of Carolina in a situation that's really been like unfortunate. It's just there's been a lot of speculation, and it surrounds Cam Newton, their quarterback, and his health. And this is the second year in a row that I feel like it's been mishandled. Maybe there's some sort of miscommunication. Whatever it is, um, the last news that we got yesterday was the cam newton has now been shut down for the rest of the season put placed on ir which does bring up his future with the team into question because now after back-to-back seasons which he's missed significant time due to injury shoulder last year ankle this year with a liz frank that they've got him there now they owe him 19 million for next season but they could or i think they owe him 21 but they could save 19 by cutting him or trading him this off season i think those are exactly what's going to happen. I don't think he's going to be back on the Carolina Panthers. I just think they're probably at a point where they've seen it. They can save the money. They don't do, they don't see long term. So I do think they're going to try to move him. My question is, if they try to trade him, you know, is a team going to say, yeah, let's do it? And I, I guess I would say, I think if you're the Chicago Bears, call him up. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been getting bad play out of Mitchell Trubisky. 20 million, which would be his remaining year, is really cheap as far as franchise quarterbacks go. And Cam Newton, whether you can say whatever you want about his career and where he's been, he's still a franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think that's an option for him. I think there are some other options for him, but I don't know if a team's going to say, we're going to bring him in here for a trial when we know he's going to want a contract that's probably going to break the bank. Yeah. Um, this is a really sticky situation um, for Cam because now the, the question's got to be like, are you ever going to be healthy again? And if you can get back to being healthy, is it sustainable for you at this point? Because you're so oft injured, right? Like so right. often injured, like that that becomes a real concern, and that further narrows the 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 
the the list of teams that would even be interested in you, right? Because you're saying uh, that not every there's only a small only teams really that are ready to go. Like they have things in place. I and mean, you reference Chicago. Like their defense is ready to rock. Yep. Like they just need to plug someone in there that can get something done. Like right. Mitchell Trubisky's not getting anything done. So right. you're talking about a, a a a small sample size of teams anyway that would probably be interested in his services. Um and those teams would now probably have real reservations about like medically what you're getting into with Cam. And from the Carolinas perspective, I'm a Cam fan. I've been for a long time. This one, like, you know, about a year ago when, when, you know, he just wasn't delivering the ball and the offense wasn't, you know, moving. I was like, man, do they have to start making, you know, contingency plans? Do they have to start figuring out in the draft, well, how's Cam going to deal with that? Right. I didn't, I didn't know when it was going to happen, but I knew that they had to have, start having those conversations before Cam would probably like for them to have those conversations. I didn't foresee them dropping in a guy that we didn't know much about. Right. And the offense looking like Cam was Better. the problem. Right. Do you know right. what I mean? So yes. from their perspective, I do think this is relatively easy because you're saying to yourself, all right, he's probably never going to be the same again. Um, we dropped in this guy. He might not even be the guy. Right. But at minimum, we can drop in a guy and it looks better than it looked with Cam. Right. So if, you know what I mean? So even if, then, we get a, if we get him, we're fine, but we could go out and shop for a better quarterback and imagine what that offense looks like with that right. instead of Cam. So I I imagine you're right. I imagine there's going to be a move off of Cam in some regard. If you have that thought, though, don't you think other teams wonder that too? Like a team that would be 100. trading for 100. him, you, they're they're wondering, hey, why is the team look if more effective without Cam? Like yes, but if that. if their situation is Mitchell Trubisky, exactly, then it might. An upgrade. It, but that's why that sample size of, the, of that, that 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 amount of teams that would be willing to to go out and swing for him is it's probably small. Also, I do think it does matter how Kyle Allen, who came in place of Cam Newton, how he plays over the last second half of the season. That is important. You know, if they do make the playoffs, which and Cam Newton technically could, he's placed on IR. If he's healthy, he could come back for the playoffs. But if you make the playoffs, that means Kyle Allen was no. playing pretty well. No, no, no. So I do, yeah, exactly. No, no, no. So I don't think that's a scenario that would unfold that he would actually have to play. Um, Cam Newton, for his uh, behalf, did send out on Instagram a comment on the Panthers Instagram page uh, where he was very supportive. He said, Charlotte and my Panthers will forever, forever be in my heart. I can't read his, like, I don't know calligraphy. I don't, I don't know what the word hyro, hieroglyphic. I can't. Even, it's not hieroglyphics, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, he has this very unique uh, choice of script that he uses. Charlotte will be forever in my heart. I will work my tail off to be stronger, faster, smarter, and accurate. More accurate. Yes, more, yes, accurate. more accurate. More accurate. Uh, for you guys, <laughs> he did say accurate. I don't want to crush him for because I have misspells all the time. Yeah. You can edit that though. I would more just tell accurate. him you can cr you can edit that now and fix it. Uh, until then, I will continue to support the hell out of the Panthers and for Kyle Allen and Will Greer. Pretty cool for him That's to show support. Yeah, absolutely, it was. He's in a position. It probably sucks. You know, he's used to being the guy he's yeah. dealing with injuries, back to back seasons, and for him to support that quarterback room and Kyle Allen and Will Greer what about a team like totally Tampa. Great. I think that could be an issue if they decide. See, they are in an interesting decision mode because they have to decide on Jameis, who I think is probably done. It's run its course there in Tampa. They might say. Let's go. Let's give him an opportunity yeah. here. I think the one thing the Panthers, why they can move on with Kyle Allen, if you have an opportunity of a guy that is making nothing, Absolutely. pennies on the dollar at quarterback, take a run. Go sign the best receiver, the best offensive lineman, the best whatever. They already got the best running back. Mm -hmm. Build, Spend some money on defense. 
you're not spending anything on the quarterback and see if you can catch it, catch it in a window in a year or two, see if you can get it. And then you can still draft another quarterback high and, you know, add some depth to that position. They already drafted Will Greer in the third round. So they've already got some guys there. So I think, yeah. I think it's a pretty easy decision for the Panthers, especially if they make the playoffs. If they don't, if it kind of crumbles at the end, then I think it gets a little bit trickier. I still don't think Cam Newton plays for the Panthers again. Um, the other situation, another young quarterback who played in place of an injured veteran was Gardner Minshew, who, uh, has been supplanted now that Nick Foles is healthy. Doug Marone came out. He did say we're going to wait, but then he came out and said, you know what? Nick Foles is our starter. I liked Minshew. I thought there was a really strong possibility that he could take over that job, but Nick Foles has the contract, hasn't played much. I think it was the smart move, and I think it was an easy choice for the Jags. Yeah, it was. Um, look, you're sitting in a division where the Texans are six and three, Indy's five and three. You're four and five, so you're not out of it. Indy might be without Jacoby Brissett. Like you know, you you might be able to catch them relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so you're not out of it. And the difference between him and Cam for me is Cam didn't look good before he went down. Right. The offense wasn't moving. Like Nick Foles was fine. Right. Everything was fine in Jacksonville. He just got his collarbone crushed. You know. So it wasn't like. There was poor play already out of Nick, and you were talking about moving on possibly to Gardner Minshew, right? I think Gardner Minshew is a great story and may wind up being the face of that franchise moving forward. Um, may. I don't know. Right. But Nick Foles gives you the best chance right now yeah, to and be it, in this hunt. I wonder. I'm very curious to see how this plays out if Nick Foles survives the rest of the season as a starter because if he struggles, I do think oh, there's, a there's lot of been pressure. buzz. Yeah. There's been excitement around Gardner Minshew. And the reason I said it was easy, Gardner Minshew is coming off his worst game. Zero touchdowns, two interceptions. It was an easy, this is the perfect time. Let's go back to Foles. Yep. No controversy. But if Foles struggles a couple games, I do think the pressure will build there. Last thing I wanted to hit on Cam Newton, I forgot to say, the worst part about this, and I'm telling you, if I am a team, I am not playing anybody in the preseason. Cam Newton, this injury that's costing him, preseason. occurred in the preseason. Yeah. And that is so dumb to me, of the way the NFL does this. And if I have any player, out, even quarterback, receiver, whatever it is, if they're any any somewhat meaningful, I'm not playing them in the preseason. Right. And I would, I would use that as an example of it, too. All right, the second half of the NFL has started. Not much changed really as far as the favorites go you have seen the rams have dropped significantly no surprise the 49ers biggest upside of the season um they're the last remaining team their odds to win the nfc are at plus 250 the seahawks who i think do have a chance to play for the nfc championship mm -hmm. are at plus 1500 that is my favorite value play out of all of these. I think Russell Wilson what, what having this incredible season. Uh, their schedule is brutal. That's what it is. And their right. division is brutal because they play in the 49ers, Rams, and Seahawks all in the same. But I think the Seahawks are better than the Rams. I won't go as far as to say as the uh, 49ers, but you can pretty much assume the 49ers are going to have home field, and which would be tough for the Seahawks to go play and take that from them. Yeah. But I, I still like the value of the Seahawks there. Okay. Yeah. I like, look, I like the Seahawks and, and, um, you know, I just I don't the like Niners. The Here's the deal with that. Like, I, see, football's a little different. Maybe I shouldn't do this because I use my basketball brain a lot. There are a lot of teams that pop up from year to year that look really good, but you can't really trust it because you know it's not eventually going to win. I got to talk myself out of doing that with the 49ers because all of the statistics support them being a really, really good team. In my gut, I feel like they're like a year away from it, but I'm using my gut is operating again on my basketball uh, uh, experience. Do you know right. what I mean? So. 
Uh, so, yeah, I like the Seahawks at plus 1,500 to win the NFC. Not even the Super Bowl, just the NFC. Right. The AFC, odds to win the AFC would be the Patriots. No, no, no surprise there at minus 110. I actually, if I was picking a team here, a value play, there are two. Actually, there are three. I think the, I think the AFC you could take some risk on. Dude, there's only one team that's beat both of those teams. Who's that? The Ravens. That's right. That's your, that's, that is true. That's very astute observation. I can't believe I didn't figure it out quicker than when you said that. <laughs> uh, because they did. They beat them uh, earlier in the season. I still think I, – I like the Chiefs. Like, I think we've forgotten about them. I think no Patrick Holmes is going to get healthier. And then – like, I think this is a crapshoot. I don't think it's as much of a done deal as people think with the Patriots just winning the AFC. I think the Colts, you mentioned Jacoby Brissett being out. That kind of hurts them, but I still think they're a good team. The Texans with Deshaun Watson, I love that play. And I think Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, what they're doing is really challenging. And they have a good run game. They've got a solid defense. And they got a quarterback that you can plan for. But if your plan falls apart, he is really tough to stop in that spot. So just some observations there. Uh, Super Bowl champs, uh, the Patriots still in the lead there in the clubhouse. According to Vegas, plus 250 odds. The Saints at plus 400. Again, there, Ravens 800. Ugh. Maybe not a bad idea to take a flyer on those uh, when you look at the odds there. I still think Lamar Jackson presents some problems. We saw Colin Kaepernick did the same thing with the 49ers got and actually lost to the Ravens, but he presents some challenges that you just don't see defenses have to do. Would have won that, too, if the lights didn't go out. (laughs) I know. That was the conspiracy theory, too. Welcome back to Kinnell and Bell. We've got our shoe showdown uh, in about 15 minutes to finish off the show as we do every Wednesday, including uh, our boy Ruben puts out his Sneaker King Power Rankings. Really like that segment, Volume 2, coming out. The NBA was in action last night. You saw LeBron go off again for his third straight triple-double. I always believed when Russell Westbrook was averaging the uh, triple-double for a season— I always felt like LeBron could, if he wanted to, like yeah. if he made it a priority, sure. felt like he could do that. I almost feel like, especially if he starts getting a little taste of this and you start seeing the triple doubles, that he could do it, and I think he might do it this year. Um, And that squarely, I think, puts him in the MVP discussion. Oh, well, now if he does that, now squarely, he wins the MVP. Especially right. if the Lakers are going to continue to be one of the top few teams in the NBA, uh, numerically speaking. Um. The problem with averaging a triple double for LeBron at this point, I mean, mm-hmm. he'd do whatever he wants. Like, let's, he's that talented and he's that much of a physical specimen. At this age, it takes a lot of energy to keep doing that night after night after night. Um, the good news is though, the what's way, the hardest part though? Is it the rebounds, right? I mean, wouldn't that be the hardest? Chasing down the rebounds. Yeah. Right. Chasing down the rebounds. He is going to have the ball in his hands to assist. Um, and he's going to score a 10 a game. I think for him, it's the rebounds and Russ. Because he's got so much energy, right? And he's able to run those down night after night. Uh, LeBron could get close, though. I'm not taking that. He could, he could, be, could be close, and if he is, yeah, I think he'd have to be your favorite for MVP if the Lakers continue to play well. Uh, he's leading the NBA in assists. He's tenth in scoring. After the game, he tweeted out hashtag Washed King. What's I, what are what you have his stats up there? What no, are, but I'll get him up. What are his what are what is he at now? He's got to be at what like 25 a game, 26, 26. 11 assists, and eight rebounds. Yeah. yeah, he's still he's but you got to get the rebounds up. You got to get the rebounds up, right? Which he'd have to, you know, start getting 12, but, 15 a game. Listen, man, like it's really early in the season. That's why I think it's funny, kind of that that all of the guys we're going to talk about, like it's so early in the season. Um, the, the stats can be a little bit misleading in terms of you know full season numbers. But if LeBron is anywhere near those numbers, yeah, let's say he's at like twenty five. 
10 assists and eight rebounds and the Lakers are really good this year. Yeah. You, that's your MVP. So, but I, oh yeah, I think so that's too. When you look at LeBron, I don't think he's going to catch MJ in the six championships. If he, I, and I don't, I honestly don't know. Like if you wanted to add one thing to his resume as far as legacy, mm-hmm. if you average a triple double for a season, like that's a pretty, it's a pretty another impressive notch in your belt to go toe to toe with MJ for the grace of all time. Oh yeah, I mean you're looking for. Do you think that matters? Unique, then? unique that's ways. Something he considers. I, I I don't know that it's on his mind. I think if you if he were close enough to it, right? Like someone, I think if we're at the All Star break, yeah, and he's still close enough there, then I think he might that energy yeah. all of a sudden might yeah. come into play yeah. towards the back. But of the trust side. me, dude, like it doesn't sound like a lot. But two rebounds a game um, for right. a dude who has as much of a workload as he has already, like concerning yourself with chasing those down even yes. becomes like a, a draining thing. Right. You no. Know? Uh, if, if he's actually concerned about getting the triple doubles, then he could just take a page out of Russ's book from the first triple double year and just chase all of the rebounds off free throws because he averaged about two rebounds off free throws that year. Bro, what a backhand! I know, right, right? man? Just totally, just he's, downplaying he's that a one. Straight hater. I guess so. I'm though. starting to realize that. You know who else uh, Joey hates? He hates my preseason prediction because I remember a laugh out loud moment when I told him that I had the Celtics as a team that could play in the Eastern Conference, uh, potentially Eastern Conference Finals. I laughed. Well, at that too. I think you did too. Did. Well, let's go ahead and revisit that okay, prediction now. It's looking a little bit better right now right. with the Sixers who I also had in the Eastern Conference Finals with the number one spot, and the Celtics' same record at 5-1. and one. one of the reasons that I gave was Gordon Hayward, yet another rear, uh, year removed from that nasty injury. Yes. He's going to get better. He had his career-high 39 points last night. He's averaging 20. Uh, he's also giving you 56% from the floor, 50% from the three-point lanes. And Kemba, who I thought was one of the most underrated players in the uh, in the NBA, is starting to thrive, averaging 26. You're getting a lot from Tatum. You're getting a lot from Brown. Celtics are 5-1. Brad Stevens, good coach. What more do I need to tell you? This is my prediction. is going to look better and better. Um, Yeah, you look like you know what you're talking about right now. Like, they came out. Look, this week. I could agree with you that Kemba was going to be a better fit for Brad Stevens, uh, Brad Stevens and his style than... Kyrie was. Um, and so, therefore, that offense is going to work better. It's going to be more free-flowing. And I think you see the effects of that on everybody's numbers there. Shooting percentages, three-point percentages, like field goal attempts, all of that. Um, the question for me wasn't whether they'd be good like regular season necessarily. Like There's right. not a whole lot of stacked teams in the Eastern Conference. It's whether they could beat Philly and Milwaukee respectively to get to the Eastern Conference Championship. And I still don't believe that they can. Right. But they're better than I thought they were going to be. Probably should apologize to you for, for laughing and scoffing <laughs> no, at the no, notion because no. <laughs> they look like they're more capable than I gave them credit for. Right. I still think at the end of the day, though, that Milwaukee um, and Philly, Philly spe- like specifically because they're just contradictory in styles, Philly is beating the hell out of people. Yeah. I mean, they are just pummeling. They go seven foot, six nine at point, six five at the two, six eight. Like 6'10", they're really big. They dominate the glass. They lead the league in points in the paint. They're just really, really big. And I think you get caught in a game of styles with them. Like if you're going to play Boston style or Philly style. And then the Greek freak. Like if you don't have an answer for that, it's just a long series. All right, so let's look at some of these uh, not only teams, but players who have got off to these amazing starts. It's only six games. Yeah. Six, seven games in. So it's very early. 
uh, to make. And I would even say that, like, I'm not, I don't want to pound my chest and say, hey, I was right on the Celtics because I realized there's sure, a lot totally, of basketball yeah. that I could totally uh, implode. But Gordon Hayward is one of those. Uh, what about Malcolm Brogdon, the uh, former rookie of the year in the NBA with the Pacers? He's averaging 23, uh, nine assists, five rebounds, really strong start for the Pacers. Team not doing that great, uh, sitting at three and four. But as a former rookie of the year, should we be that surprised about no. his season this year? No, especially in the absence of some of the, the key players that have been there. Oh, and Victor Oladipo is out. Yeah. Um, you know, Miles Turner's missed some games. Uh, Sabonis has missed a couple games. So there's opportunity there for him to have the ball and be doing these things. I mean, credit to him for stepping into the opportunity and taking advantage of it, right? Um, cause he's a really, really good player. I don't know that those numbers are sustainable because when those guys start coming back again, like you've got to give up some of what you've been doing. Uh, I had to scout a game when I was with the Cavs. I had to go down to the ACC championships. Um, and I had to scout them play North Carolina and I was there to watch JP Tokido, um, and a big kid, I think it was Bryce Johnson from North Carolina. And I remember writing up my like report saying, Hey, you guys are, we're missing the point here. The point is Malcolm Brogdon, the kid on the other team. Really? And Virginia is not like one of those wide open offenses where it would like your skill sets on display. Right. But I remember watching it and his competitiveness because he matched up with Tokido mm-hmm. and it was almost like he knew everybody in the gym was there to see Tokido and he was like, not today, baby. Like, you're going to see me. And I remember writing that up. So I'm, I'm actually happy for the kid. He's a good kid. He's got a great family, and he's a heck of a player. Love it. Good find yeah. by you. Uh, Second-round pick out. Oh, we didn't draft him. No, I know, I know. But, still, but you were right <laughs> yeah, about no, him. I, I liked him. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And Tony Bennett's squad has always been offensively. They're, I don't want to say challenged. They just don't. They play a lot of defense. Yeah, it's really sy- slower. It's really systematic. Yes, yeah. exactly. So you could uh, see a situation like that. All right, Pascal Siakam. We talked about him opening night because he had such an impressive opening night. The Raptors are four and two, but he's continued his play. Uh, 26 a game, eight rebounds, three assists, shooting 42% from, uh, behind the three point line. I don't think this is probably, I think it is sustainable, right? This is sustainable. Yeah. Because he is a, I mean, uh, look, Malcolm Brogdon is a young star too. This guy has like young superstar potential. Um, now he's older, like, than you would think he is. And I always have to kind of qualify it with that because the ceiling, he might not have as much room left to grow. Um, but he, in the absence of Kawhi there, there's a necessity for a guy who can go get him. He really does unfold on the rim. It's kind of ridiculous the type of length that he possesses. He plays pick and roll with the ball in his hands at that size. He's the decision maker. He's a really good player. So this is a sustainable thing. All right, then let's keep it rolling with the, uh, the Pelicans. Without Zion Williamson, uh, this team's still been pretty good. Uh, Brandon Ingram has really taken the lead out of career high 40 just a couple of nights ago, yeah. averaging 25 uh, points a game. He's a bucket. Is he going to be the guy for he's them? He's a bucket. He's a bucket. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's going to be the guy. Because yeah. Zion, again, um, I don't know how this always revolves around uh, Zion. But Zion isn't a put the ball in his hands, go get buckets like he's doing right there. Right. Like, this guy is a professional scorer. Ball, iso, uh, yeah, didn't like it, search, dribble, get to my spot, pull up over you. Like, that's that's professional scoring. Here he comes coming downhill on the pick and roll. Search dribble again. Right over a great shot blocker on a fadeaway. Like, these are silly buckets, Danny. Uh, uh, Joe Harris. Just long and let me get to the rim. Yeah. He is going to have the opportunity to score the ball because when you need a bucket, you're not going to put it in Zion's hands. You're going to put it in his hands. As we watched those highlights, it was in Brooklyn. We had a little bit of a different look at the floor. Did you notice? Did it bother you at all? I like Some, that floor. Did you, you see do. Memphis's yeah, floor last I night? Yeah, I don't like theirs either. Yeah. It feels like your TV is messed up. Like it feels like like iPhones have the uh, the blue light mode, which mm-hmm. kind of takes away. It feels like I'm watching games in blue, like the the dark mode almost. Not yeah. dark, but like there's a blue light where I'm they trying, take away some of those. We're building a new gym at American Heritage, and uh-huh. I'm lobbying for like that type of look. Dark 
everywhere. Yeah. Light with like inside. I like, I don't mind the dark. I just don't like the gray. You don't like the color. I I don't don't like like color. I don't like the gray. I like the blue. I just don't like gray. Like Brooklyn's is a gray scale. That's the term I was looking for. Gray scale. It just looks boring. Like it kind of dilutes and on television in person, it probably looks better. I don't mind all blue, but Memphis had the combination of blue with the gray scale. Yeah. I don't. Oh, there's had gray. Yeah. It had some like gray in there. I just don't like the gray scale. I like color contrast. Oregon has one that like the tree leaves or something around yeah. there. It's kind of funky. I don't love that one. If I, you I'm had a about beach for a while. while, I didn't love that. Oh, like it had like, it had a beach like on the floor. Like, really? I didn't, no, I didn't Did not like that. It's not exactly intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's, Hey, welcome to the beach. Hey. Like, Hey, go visit the beach while you're here. All right. All right. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. It is Wednesday. So we do our shoe showdown. We also do our review of the week, uh, in, uh, sports in general. So our buddy Ruben Palacios works here at CBS Sports. Make sure you go follow him, although we got to work on his Twitter handle at Ruben, R-U-B-E-N-P for Palacios, 24 underscore. All right. Okay. We got to get you a better, we got to get you a better handle, uh, Ruben, so we get people easier to follow you. He does have a Wait, 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 wait. What? Is he's back there, right? I don't know if he's in the control room. Does the 24 have anything to do with one Kobe Bryant? Because that would (laughs) explain a a lot. That would explain a lot. (laughs) All right. Well, he is our – you better watch what you say about him. I might have a chance to win now. But that explains a lot. (laughs) He said it does. (laughs) It does. It absolutely does. Now you're going to start wearing Kobe's every single time. Uh, So he was down at a Heat game. P.J. Tucker was playing against the Heat and actually discussed – his sneaker free agency. Ruben did with PJ Word. Tucker. Got a, a exclusive interview with yeah. him. So PJ Tucker told him in CBS Sports that it's quote getting close when it comes to signing an endorsement deal with a shoe brand, and he anticipates a deal quote in the next couple weeks. Word. He also revealed this is fascinating. Uh, PJ Tucker told Ruben that he has interns that work for him and help him track down the rare shoes he wears on the court. Can I be an intern for BJ Tucker? How hard can it be? Do you think he buys them? Like, where does this process of interns go down? I'm surprised he doesn't have people that call up Nike or Adidas and say, hey, what do you got for me this week? We try them out. Yeah, you know, that's fascinating. Got. And does the I, intern just go onto the internet like it's stock? Like X I just was. Hot? Yes. I mean, like exactly. I was literally just searching rare cleats on Instagram. Exactly. Is um, that the process? I don't know. What I do know is um, maybe this was all an elaborate plan to get to this point. Maybe – this is really deep. Like if PJ Tucker said, Hey man, look, I'm never going to be a really coveted like shoe guy in terms of like, you know, having my own signature shoe or anything right. like that, but I can build up. Uh, it's it, absolutely it's, like yes. a cottage industry. It yes. has like a rabid fan base. Because what's going to happen now is like, if you sign with Puma or New Balance or one of these guys to hit the big like lining or somebody, you get the big payday. You can't go out and wear all the cool stuff anymore, right? Right. So you've done it all in an effort to cash in the one big check. Right. Like you've cultivated this exactly. persona just to cash in this one big check. And right? I guarantee you, if he signs with Puma or some of these other kind of nondescript, they're going to be like, hey, man, you can't wear those other. You can't you wear those classic That's, Jordans anytime. They don't Jordan have to ones. tell you it's right there in the contracts. <laughs> exactly. So he's going to have to do that. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up. And our boy Ruben will be all over it when he does decide to uh, go with a company. Um, so every week you have the NBA Sneaker King Power Rankings yeah. written by Ruben Palacios. They come out every Friday. We get a preview. We get a, we get a look before anybody else does that okay bet that so let's break them down five four three two one five john morant rookie with memphis comes out 
with the custom Nike Adapt BB I got. Oh, yes, sir. With the Serato tag yeah. on them. Okay. Sweet. Grizzly. You got the teeth. Yep. Like yeah, they got the little teeth. are kind of tough. And then uh-huh. you have the uh, the Grizzlies version there, too. I my like boy, those. My I boys love Serato, too. That's yeah. yeah. Those are fire. They're fire. Those are pretty sweet. Coming at four, DeMar DeRozan, who came with the Kobe 4 Pro Tro uh, PEs, as well as the Kobe 4 Pro Tro Wizenard. I, I love those. Yeah, I like the I class. I like those. Just a very simple black and white. These are like a little too much for me. Those, Although those, those feel like they could be at Art Basel. No, they, they could <laughs> no, be at Art Basel. Right there in a heart project. They're hot, though. They're Down hot. in my, uh, Miami. That's Kobe's shoe to play in. Yep. All right. Isaiah Thomas checks in at three. He was also well, – there was a lot of Kobe oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. love Kobe on this trust. list. Kobe We're trying trust. to figure out a lot of stuff. In I've our had a revelation. Yes, uh, either those or the, the same Those are the shoes, reverse of the uh, – Except they're yeah. black. They're uh, much better in white. Yeah, much better in white. And then Kyrie, who was on the list last week, also uh, comes in at two. Word. Some pink maybe for the like, – uh, That's his new – that's the new Kyrie though. Oh, it is? Yes, that is. That's, that's Kobe 6. That's the new Kyrie. Correct. Yes, sir. And that's the- Kobe 5 or the last uh, year's version, the Love Mom. Oh, those 6s. Go back to those 6s real quick. That's Kyrie 6 Tokyos. Those are kind of sweet. Not I like those. Change. Those are fire, though. Yes, yeah, sir. I like those. And then number one, I think there might be a little bias here because he talked to him, P.J. Tucker. He also brought some pretty strong game. The LeBron 8, D.J. Clark Kent sample. D.J. Clark Kent, the 8s. Um and- not bad. And then he actually yeah, attributed uh, to DeMar DeRozan, the Kobe 1 DeMar DeRozan, uh, DeRozan uh, version right there. So pretty strong stuff. From How do you there. play? Like, I've never understood. I was a, I played in one model of shoes every year. Right. I found one. I liked it, and I played in it. Like, I, I couldn't even vary from that. The fact that he plays in a different pair of shoes every night, orthotic or no orthotic. Yeah. Like, How do you, just the feel of the shoe is distracting to me. All right, let's do it. Our shoes today, i got to have to sell these. These are Adidas Pharrell version right here, special edition. Now, let me just show you something on the back. See, they got the little uh, Pharrell logo there with his uh, personalized. See how it's different, not just the Adidas. Let me show you something else. Look at the insoles. Ruben, I hope you're paying attention. The insoles here, the detail. I got to get them out. I got to get them out. What do you got? See how they're detailed? Look at that. You don't see that in normal everyday shoes. Like, bro, how they have everything your, on there. Bro, Look at that. Those are the type of details. Here, I'm trying it, to sell these. All right, what do you got? All right. What do you got? I went oh, with the four breads. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I went with the four breads. A little boring. At least I was thinking outside boring. the box. At least that guy is trying really hard today. Ruben, we, I go, I go your Kobe affinity Watch explains go. a lot. If I leave <laughs> this damn show today... And you picked those Pharrells over no, my shoes. Cool. Oh, the credibility cool. is gone. These are way cooler than yours. Who'd he give them to? Joey, Roger did he give win. a nod? Roger oh, come on, man. It's the souls. It's all about the souls. <laughs> all right, we'll be back tomorrow. See ya. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.